This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Across the table from me is Aaron Sorensen. We are down in the Haymarket, and I have to... <laughs> Gorman is making fun of me. I have to look out over the rail yard rims thing that we were supposed to be participating in I'm that so now sad. we don't get to participate in and all of my hopes and dreams are destroyed. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. I'm sad for you all. So to explain, I had nothing to do with it, but the guy it's all who's your fault. the guy who's making fun of Derek right now for how he intros this podcast is the one who um due to an a administrative clerical error of some kind a.k.a. did he just not Gorman messed up. Gorman messed up. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you guys... We were going to do the three-on-three basketball tournament. We don't get to now. Which, ultimately, I was thinking about it as I was walking up. Our, our, our office is on the second floor in the rail yard, and I was walking up the stairs thinking about this. It's probably a good thing because the lower half of my body feels like it wants to just fall off and die. Because you went and tried to work out at the YMCA? Well, no. I mean, that's just the like state of being that my body is naturally in. Just like my lower back feels like pain. Just I constantly. I mean, that sounds totally fine and healthy. Just, just constantly. So um, let's talk a little bit of football. It is Friday as of uh, recording this. We're recording this late this week. My bad. Uh, we just got done at practice hearing from Scott Frost. Nebraska finished up practice number 13. They went in Memorial Stadium and they did sort of a situational scrimmage. So Friday we, number thirteen, Friday the thirteenth. Oh, wow. there you go. We are thirteen practices into fall camp. Um, Frost made Frost was asked about adjusting reps and he said they're not quite to that point yet. But uh, when we get into next week, he said three or four practices from now, the coaching staff will turn its attention to the home opener, the season opener against South Alabama on August thirty one, and they will start um, dividing up snaps based on depth chart. Yep. So we're getting there. We're almost there. Um, the thing that I would like to talk to you first about, mm-hmm. as it relates to the depth chart, depth chart, depth chart. You did is... talk about a death lineup last week. <laughs> this it was week? actually this week. Yeah. Monday feels so far away at yeah, it this does. point. Uh, the thing I want to talk to you about first, Aaron, is QB2. The second quarterback on the, the roster. The backup quarterback competition right now. Because which... when you don't have a legitimate quarterback competition to start you have to go to the you have to manufacture one yes we have to talk about the quarterbacks and because adrian martinez gives us nothing uh of controversial value to talk about (laughs) we have to talk about the backup controversy because going into this fall camp i didn't really expect there to be much of a competition i thought noah vedrill in his third year in this offense was pretty much going to be the runaway winner of the qb2 spot and Early on, it sounded like that was not necessarily the case, but I wasn't quite ready to believe it because I still think that Luke McCaffrey is just a redshirt candidate for this year, and you just want to get him as far removed from Adrian Martinez's timeline as possible Mm -hmm. so that you have as much eligibility for Luke after Adrian is gone as you possibly can. Well, it sounds like Luke McCaffrey is everything that this coaching staff expected him to be and maybe a little bit more, a little bit earlier than they thought. Are you buying that Luke McCaffrey is 
really and seriously competing for this QB2 spot and, and has the chance to beat Noah Vedral? No. I mean, maybe hypothetically, but the reality is, is that he's going to redshirt. There's no reason that Luke McCaffrey will not redshirt. Why would you Why would you not redshirt him? You have so much depth at that position. You have players like Noah Vedral who can be a really, really solid backup option to Adrian Martinez. We are not in the situation Nebraska was in one year ago where if, the, if QB1 goes down, you're kind of like, well, what now? You have Noah Vedral, you have Andrew Bunch, and then well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in for a second because Frost said that Noah Vedral was playing quote as well as I've seen him play in the time that I've spent with him. He's doing some amazing things. Yeah, I think though, like they want Luke McCaffrey to keep pushing. They want him to be making all of the other guys better, making them uncomfortable, making them think, yeah, he could definitely take your spot. Now he's going to play in some games. They're gonna get him some. They're going to get him some experience because you can and still redshirt. But there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason that he will not redshirt. If he's if he's behind, if he's the backup quarterback to Adrian Martinez in any for any reason, um, it, it won't be serious. Like in the sense of like if something happened to Adrian Martinez, which knock on wood nothing does, Noah Vedral is the guy that's going to go in. They're not going to put, unless like, you know, Luke hasn't played four games, I think like maybe – but why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in a position where Luke McCaffrey now doesn't have his red shirt? So I don't know. It's hard because they do get those four games, so you can kind of play with it a little bit. So that changes sort of how you can look at it. But is it is a guy who's ultimately only going to play in four games really sincerely a backup quarterback? Yeah, that was kind of that's kind of where I'm at in this whole process. Is I'm sort of stuck trying to answer that question. It is a guy um, can can a guy be your backup quarterback and still maintain redshirt status for a season while only playing in four games like I don't know if that's possible like Justin Fields was back up at Georgia and he played in every game right so I I I am curious and maybe we get into a situation like you described where Luke McCaffrey is the perpetual backup I guess for the season and if something happens to Adrian or if Nebraska has a different starting quarterback it's just it's not Luke Luke just stays number two and Noah Vedral is the starter instead of Adrian Martinez maybe that's a situation but I don't know. It just for me, it feels like, and I'm just gonna say this. To me, it feels like a little bit of coach talk. He's trying to he's trying to build his players up. He wants Luke McCaffrey to continue pushing his players. There's absolutely nothing wrong with competition. That's the thing, is while we kind of are joking about manufacturing competition, there is still value in having competition. Mm-hmm. So you know who your number one is. It kind of what would push Noah Vedral to get better? What would push Andrew Bunch to get better? Or Matt Masker? Or Luke McCaffrey? If you're not saying, hey, the number two spot's open. Any of you can take it. If you're just immediately walking into fall camp going, it's Noah's, the rest of you can go home, What what is possessing them to keep? I mean, yes, you hope that guys are like, I want to compete for this because I care about it. But you do have, there is value in saying like, okay, Will Farniak is probably going to be your starting center, but there's nothing wrong with continuing to sort of make him work for it and say, well, maybe if Cam Jurgens is miraculously completely 100% healthy, like he could take it from you. There's value in sort of the unknown. You don't want to draw that out forever. You don't want to make them uncomfortable forever, but there's valuable in it, at least in the interim, especially at this point in fall camp. Like he said, what is it like? He thinks they have like three, four, five days left of like, fall camp practice before, like you said, before they start installing some of the South Alabama game plan. Mm -hmm. When you're at this point in fall camp, 
why would you start declaring things as this is the depth chart when you still have time to kind of play with it and also let guys push each other to get better? I think also, and I'm and I'm not saying that the the praise of Luke McCaffrey at this point is disingenuous. I don't think that's true. I think they have been really impressed with his athletic ability. Um, the the sort of the quarterback mechanics that Mario Verduzco is going to work on, like that stuff is all still a work in progress. And Mario has talked a ton about some of the things uh, like your throwing motion. It's not that's that's not something that he wants to mess with right away when a kid gets to college. Like that's something that has to come over time so that you don't have the guy in a game. Like this is a I was reading a quote that that he gave when he was at Central Florida. He said you don't want to mess with it right away because then the guy when he's in a game situation or a game-like situation is going to be thinking about, okay, I have to have my arm at this angle and my elbow at this angle and my throwing motion needs to be like this as opposed to like, okay, the safety's there. This is where I need to go with the ball. Like you you want the latter, not the former. Mm-hmm. And if you start messing with mechanics and things like that, then there's just too much going on in the quarterback's mind. Um, but what I, what I was going to say, I think there's a little bit of, of psychology to this and I think you're going to continue to see this especially with the transfer rules loosening, transfer regulations, I should say, loosening, and it being harder and harder to just keep a lot of really good quarterbacks on one one roster. Like Luke McCaffrey came into this situation where Adrian Martinez was the absolute unquestioned starter, and mm-hmm. he's going to be the absolute unquestioned starter as long as he is on Nebraska's campus. But Nebraska also had a backup in Noah Vedral who has now been in this offense for three years. This is his third year. Like he's... Mm-hmm. He, he's comfortable in this offense. He's a guy that other people go to to ask questions about the offense. He's a guy that Luke McCaffrey's going to go to to ask questions about right. the playbook. How do you keep Luke McCaffrey motivated, and how do you keep him invested in the team if he's coming into a situation where he feels like, okay, the top two quarterback spots are already taken? Not just right. the, top, the top one. The top two spots are taken. And this is this is the challenge in the world of college football right now is, you know, people, like, we've talked with, Coach Verduzco about this, that there's sort of this the world of the world of college quarterbacks has changed. The the transfer thing is not gonna stop anytime soon, especially now with the new redshirt rule. Players quarterbacks who aren't seeing sort of a light at the end of the tunnel to play are gonna find other opportunities. Nebraska's seen plenty of that. Um, I think Verdusco knows that he's not going to be immune to it either. They're going to see players who transfer, and I'm not saying Luke McCaffrey is going to be that player, but you are you are sort of playing chess. I think you're just insulating yourself from from those thoughts potentially creeping up. You, but you are playing chess to a certain degree because everything that you do is sort of determining what's the best case scenario. So like they've had a ton of depth this year, which is sort of the first time, at least in my time covering Nebraska, that there's been this kind of depth at Nebraska at, at the quarterback's position at Nebraska. Uh, it won't always be that perfect. Uh, this is sort of a this is sort of a unique case where it's like I still kind of in the back of my head keep thinking like is is Bunch going to transfer like is he going to leave by the time this, I don't think he's going to um, but it's still there because you think of what happened with Tristan Jebbia last year where it went down to the wire at the end of fall camp and then he decided to leave and especially with West Coast schools they give players a buffer of time where they can transfer late in August because the schools haven't started yet. Yeah, so, they're in quarters, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's there's time that these players sort of have to decide, is there somewhere else I want to go? I don't think that's going to happen with Nebraska this year, but it does always kind of feel like you're playing chess because quarterbacks are going to transfer. Quarterbacks want to play. They want that playing time. But 
with Luke, I think right now, to your point, you are trying to you are trying to share with him that he's incredibly talented, he has a bright future, but you don't want to be like, it's just not going to happen this year. You want him to think, okay, if Adrian Martinez couldn't play, I could hypothetically be the person to play for him. Because if you're telling him right off the bat no, then why would he even bother? Yeah, there's not a lot of motivation. I don't know what's just happening outside, <laughs> but people are I, – I always wonder what these mics pick up and if people hear things, but, like, people are just, like, very happy outside. And Christian is – okay. Christian was going to be our, our tall guy on the basketball team. I know. And he was not thrilled about having to catch – I think – what was the phrase that he used? Like sharpened elbows from six foot four dudes who played high school basketball and then never played basketball again. I think that was the phrase that he used. Um, let's let's move on and talk about the like new addition that happened this week. So Jakeem Green, the junior college transfer, mm-hmm. all the paperwork was filled out. He got to Nebraska and he got into meetings on Tuesday, if I have the timeline correct. Did not practice Tuesday. Practiced Wednesday. So the first day that he was on the practice field for Nebraska was the day that we had our last open um, media session mm-hmm. at the beginning. First, and we got like the first 45 minutes of practice, which was really nice. So shout out to uh, Keith Mann for that. Um, but Jakeem Green was not in pads. It was just like the – what did Frost call it? Like shell today? He called yeah, it like he was he just in of- shell. Like, I guess that's just, like, those base layers. Like, I don't know what the terminology is, but he was not in pads, and so he wasn't hitting dudes, but he was still going through some individual drills. And we got to see um, we got to see footwork. We got to see a little bit of his agility. We got to see a little bit of um, – we, we got to see the way that he's put together. And mm-hmm. Darian Daniels told me Tuesday that he is <laughs> – he carries 327 pounds better than Darian Daniels was. So I was curious what that meant. And then it, I guess it sort of worked out for us that he was not in pads. We got to see kind of the way that he looks right now, mm-hmm. see his conditioning level. And I thought he looks like he's ready to play. He looks like he's in football shape now. He might not be in frost fast football shape, but he's in football shape. And uh, he went through part of the scrimmage Friday. Frost said he's never adjusted a scrimmage for one individual player, but he did so because Jakeem Green could not be in pads again Friday. I think he has to go through three non-pads before he's good to go. Hmm. And yeah, I can't remember. So, so he got the last 10% of the scrimmage where it was just um, like non-contact stuff so they could get Jakeem out there and see what he looked like. And by all accounts, the results so far have been encouraging. My question to you, Aaron... Uh, because Greg kind of touched on this in the mailbag. Do you think that Jakeem Green can be a guy who comes in two weeks into fall camp and then ends up playing a significant role on a defensive line that we all agree is pretty deep? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't. First and foremost, I don't envy. Um, I don't envy the defensive staff trying to figure out. That, I mean, again, this is this is not a bad problem to have. Like when you think about like. I feel like the conversation we've had so many times over the last, I was going to say few years, but sometimes almost several years, is about the depth at key positions and one being defensive line, the other being offensive line, where, I mean, Greg Austin on the offensive side of the ball was talking about that last year where he's like, you know, you 
Um, Doesn't have a lot of trustable bodies. Right, but he he walks in and he's like, there's no way to rotate these guys. They're going to get tired because there's no way to rotate them. There's no one to rotate them for. So instead of rotating, we kind of said instead of rotating vertically, he was rotating horizontally. It was like, all right, I don't have a ton of guys behind them, but I could take the guy from over there and put him here and take that guy and put him here and then bring that guy up. Like he was essentially having to like rotate in a weird kind of like jigsaw way whereas like now it's like I've got these people behind same thing with the defensive line I mean the one thing that I because we we talked about that out loud as well is like who's the person that gets bumped then for green who's the person who gets bumped and um that's a really good question is who is that person uh so I don't know I think there's gonna be a lot of people who see a lot of playing time I think he could be a major factor and I just think we might see a ton of rotation because we were talking about like we could see Khalil and Carlos rotating quite a bit but like gosh the Khalil thing is a huge part too Khalil is in totally different spot than he was a year ago like we were all talking about Carlos because Carlos was the one starting, but Khalil was the one who ended up having the better stats at the end of the day. Now, Carlos was also playing out of his position to make up for the fact that they didn't have all the depth that they needed behind. But, I mean, you're kind of having this conversation about multiple guys. Where, like, what does Khalil's time look like this year? What is Carlos? How do Darian and Damian factor into this at some points? Like, I think we know Darian's probably going to be pretty much, like, a huge factor but beyond that, what does it really look like beyond that? And I don't know. I think we're going to see a lot of faces. And so when we say, like, could someone be a huge contributing factor? I think so. I just don't know how much – I just don't know where to, like, reference how much time that's going to look like. Or, again, I don't envy the position that the defensive staff is, like, figuring some of this out. But this is a good problem to have. It's not a bad problem to have. Yes. And I have two points that I want to make. That's the second one I'll get to in a second. The first one, Jakeem Green looks like a – kind of defensive lineman that you see going to like Georgia or Auburn or Alabama like that was my initial impression of him he they want to get him (laughs) the phrase that we were using was redistribute some of the weight and we were kind of laughing at that they want to get him a little bit better conditioned Uh, but he looks like from a like uh the way he's put together he's got a really really solid strong base it seems Mm -hmm. like um he looks like the kind of guy the kind of young player that you would see going into um, one of those top SEC schools and then being a guy that factors in on a rotation on the defensive line. So he, he to me, he looks like a guy that you could rely on on the defensive line. And mm-hmm. and that sort of leads into the next question. And um, Greg Smith made a really good point. He was like, this is what it's supposed to be. And you just said this as well. This is what it's supposed to look like. Like when you have, when you're talking about some of the top teams in college football, at spots as crucial as like defensive end and defensive tackle this is what it's supposed to look Mm -hmm. like like we were running through names on the defensive line and we were just like counting them up so like you've got ben stilly you've got darian daniels you've got damian daniels you've got the davis twins Mm -hmm. so that's five so many brothers right there add jakeem green you've got six add in deshaun neal you're at seven add in casey rogers Tate Wildeman, 8-9. Damian Jackson, will he play at all? 10. Who am I leaving out? Am I leaving people out? I'm leaving people out. Yeah, let me just now. Uh, Masai Newsom. Yep, all right. We're at 11. Ty Robinson, we're at 12. DeAndre Thomas, who's <laughs> been a guy that everybody loves. We're at 13. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, let's let's take Damian Jackson and 
who else did I say? Let's say let's take Damian Jackson off of that list. We're still yeah. at twelve. You have to take Damian Jackson off that list because and then he you've got guys like hair and shave. <laughs> then you've got guys like Vaha Vanuku, who we're not really sure what's going on with. Chris Walker, mm-hmm. who physically is is a mountain of a man. I mean, they have so many options on the defensive line, and we were kind of I talking mean, about like who's gonna who who if Green took a significant spot, who would he take and. Greg Smith said Ben Stilley. Mm. Um, I think Jacob Padilla said one of the Davis brothers, like Khalil. Like, I don't think Green's going to play a ton at nose guard because I think that is pretty much going to be uh, Darian is in there, and when Darian needs a rest, it's going to be Damian in there for five or six snaps. Snacks in there for a couple snaps, and then Darian comes back. I don't think there's going to be a ton of snaps to be had at that position. So you've basically got like six or seven dudes that you're really, really high on fighting for two end positions mm-hmm. like that's a good problem to have but it's also a problem to have so i'm curious as it seems are you as to what green's role will look like not just right away but as the season wears on yeah um you know the one nice thing about this is so we're sitting here kind of and i'm going to take it from a different direction we're sitting here kind of i'm looking at this list we're kind of looking at it from the point of view of like wow, what's this going to look like? How is this going to shape up? But with that said, this is going to allow a defense to not get tired. So this offense moves fast. This offense moves very fast. It's going to require defenses to be on the field longer. That's just how it works. I've said from the beginning when Eric Shenander came here, he didn't run the same kind of defense that Bob Diaco did at all, but he did say something, and his defenses were going to give up yards. He didn't say they're going to give up points, but like he kind of implies it when he says it, they're going to give up yards because the offense is moving so fast that we essentially are just like trying to keep up. That's our goal, keep up, lessen the damage from the other side. Lessen the damage because I remember when Diaco said this and everyone like made fun of it, but there is actual value in it where he's like, well, we just have to like make sure the opposing offense scores less points than our offense. Like it was funny at the time because it wasn't working well. Um, But no, it's true when you think about it that way, like this defense is going to give up points. It is what it is. But when you have this significant amount of depth and you're able to rotate these guys, allow them to get more significant breaks versus like you're going to be in on every snap. Like that's just what it is. We don't have the depth. Like you're going to play. When you're able to pull a guy out and let him sit down for a minute, catch his breath, get himself get himself kind of like regrouped, throw him back in there, he's going to be so much more of a terror. That's going to be a bigger advantage for Nebraska in the end. So I know it kind of is like right now we're more curious because it's like what is it going to look like? But this is actually a really good situation for Nebraska because you have an offense that moves fast. You have a defense that's going to get tired. How do you combat that? You just have a ton of dudes who can play. Yeah, that way you get to mid-October and you're playing Indiana and your guys aren't dead. Mm Mm-hmm. So... It's not a bad place to be, that's for sure. I was looking through snap counts of what the offense was doing, and the offense played 85 snaps against Wisconsin, or, excuse me, 85 snaps or something similar to it against Purdue, and it was like 60s, low 60s against Wisconsin. Like, (laughs) it's an extra quarter Mm -hmm. that the defense has to be on the field. So, yeah, you're going to give stuff up. Yeah, it's just how it works. Let's, uh, Let's move to the wide receivers. Because apparently, Kate like, Warner, no wide receiver participated in Friday's scrimmage. No, literally no wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, he said what? J.D. Spielman was out. Kate Warner was out. Uh, did he say Mike Williams was out? No, I said Wando Robinson and Connor Vinoa. Okay, so Mike played. 
Okay, so Mike that, Williams, Jaron Jaron Woodyard could play. Jaron Woodyard played. Jaron, Jones sorry, played. I always butcher his name. And what's what's horrible about that is I'm really big on like talking to them about how do you pronounce your name, and he's even told me. And I always just like have the. I don't know why my my brain wants to make it. I just I just say it wrong. Um, so I apologize. But Javon McCourty played. Noah was out too, wasn't he? Because yeah. he was out this week. Um, yeah, when we watched Wednesday, Wanda Robinson and Connor by Noah, neither of them were. So I guess Jamie Nance could have gotten some time today. Jamie! Uh, Jamie Nance would have played. Darian Chase would have. The freshman guys would have played. Demarion Houston, who we haven't heard a ton about. But um, the 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 thing that I want to talk about with you is so we know what J.D. Spielman is. We know um, or, or we sort of have a good expectation of what Wanda Robinson is going to be. Kind of I know is what he is at this point. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a guy that they're going to be able to rely on um, if they choose to rely on him. The the others. The others. So we're talking Mike Williams, John Woodyard, Javon McQuitty, um, Andre Hunt, some of the freshman guys that they have brought in. So what exactly should we expect from those guys this year? Because throughout fall camp, we've heard Andre Hunt talked about. We've heard uh, Mike Williams talked about. This week I was told that Darian Chase was somebody that is kind of making moves. And then on Wednesday, uh, Troy Walters talked about Javon McQuitty sort of making money moves in the scrimmage that they making had last money week. money moves. So you have a number of wide receivers. You you have a lot of unproven, inexperienced wide receivers, but you have a number of wide receivers that um, continue to be talked about by this coaching staff. Do you think it's going to be a problem that Nebraska doesn't have a, a clear-cut guy to replace Stanley Morgan? Or do you think, I kind of wrote this, It's they have a lot of depth and they have a lot of options and it's not a sense of, you know, they just don't have two guys that can really grab those top two spots, but they just have a lot of guys that are just doing really good things right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a, a good way to go into the season is to just have a bunch of wide receivers that can be, like, utility players? Uh, see, this is a different, like, situation. So we're talking about, like, defensive line and offensive line and, like, the depth there, and this is a very different one. Yeah, um, are the two situations comparable? It sounds like they're not. No, because, I mean, I think you do need your, like, you do need your guys that you're, like, you're going to be, like, he's it like he's it's kind of sounds yeah i don't know it's kind of well it depends on who you are there's some people there's some people who are into it because like there's some people who like love running backs by committee like they love the by committee kind of like approach to things okay i hate the by committee with the running back room but i think the wide receiver thing is fine it could but to be fair so i was gonna say here's the reverse of it all kind of going back to the defensive line perspective so when you have so many wide wide receivers who can be utility players, who can be kind of plugged in to do different things, going back to kind of your death lineup, there's so many options, so many things you can do with them, that that's going to be very confusing for an opposing defense. Because you're throwing this guy here, you're pulling out here, you've got guys who can go between running back and wide receiver. You have so many options that it's not going to be like an easy solution for an opposing team to handle. They're going to be like looking at this and like, who are we preparing for? So I do think that there's an advantage to having those players from a leadership perspective that you can be like, that guy is it. He's going to be the guy. He's who we look at. He's our, like, he's our leader. Um, But I don't think it's necessarily, like, the end of the world if you have a bunch of guys. Like, I think you have so much talent that you've just listed off that you could have a lot of fun with that yep. of like plugging guys in and being like we've got a whole group of utility players and they're all going to make it really difficult for your defense I think and they, we can pull from the wider we can pull from the running backs and make it even more complicated for you right I think they have I think they have a lot of uh, options that that are complementary pieces I mean mm-hmm. when you look at the complexion of the wide receiver room 
everybody except for like McQuitty, Spielman, and Cade Warner are all guys that this staff has recruited. Mm-hmm. So like we've, I mean, you've got you, you've got guys in like Kanavainoa and Cade Warner who they've talked about have, can play all three positions. And when you have those guys who are the bigger bodied, taller receivers that can play all three positions, that really makes everything else work when you have a lot of smaller guys with overlapping skill sets. So you've got guys like Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard and J.D. Spielman and and uh, Demarion Houston and, gosh, <laughs> so many players that are so like the exact same just, player. It's just fine. Uh, when you have pieces like Noah and last year like Stanley Morgan and they've been talking about Cade Warner um, that can play multiple spots, I think it really helps from a, a lineup creation standpoint where you can you can mix and match those pieces and you have a lot of comparable pieces and you have a lot of complementary pieces and I don't necessarily I, like I like I said I hate the by committee thing with running backs because I think a running back needs to get into the groove of the game mm-hmm. um, but I think it's fine for receivers because I think you know if you have a ton of wide receivers that can that can do a lot of the same things then then you have a lot of fresh wide receivers who are doing the same thing on the field play in and play out that don't necessarily have the same name and they have JD Spillman the leadership thing is going to change because your top guy in the room is going from Stanley Morgan, who is outspoken and not afraid to get in front of the media cameras. And now it's J.D. Spielman, who, yep. as opposed to um, well, lead, it, by, lead but, by voice, he's now lead by example. But with that said, you said, like, Stanley likes to get in front of cameras. He did he, though? Like, he liked it in certain he, ways. He, he would talk to the media. But not often. But but he was the voice for that room. Yeah. Who is the voice like... for that room right now? It's not really any one specific right. guy, which is sort of... They can all come up like the defensive line used to do and just do interviews together. <laughs> that would be terrible. Gosh. It's sort of like representative of the room as a whole. Like, Stanley was the one voice for that room last year, and they don't yeah. really have that this year. We've got, I mean, have we gotten one individual wide receiver? I think we've talked to Mike Williams and Dron Woodyard, and that's it. And those are the two senior guys. Yep. Like, I don't think we've talked to anybody else. Nope. We certainly haven't talked to JD, which is fine. If he doesn't want to talk to the media, that's fine. It's his no choice. No want to talk to us either. That's fine. But I guess the point I'm trying to get at is, like, the room is the complexion of the room is going to be different this year than it was last year, where last year they are like, okay, we have Stanley, we have JD, we need one third guy who can be the consistent third guy. I think that's just not going to be the case, not going to be operating procedure this year. No, I would agree. I don't think so. Anything else stand out to you so far through 13 practices of fall camp? Anything that you want to talk about? We haven't had you on the podcast in a while. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm ready for some football. I'm the thing about fall camp is I'm glad that fall camp is here and I'm glad that we have things to talk about, but I'm now getting to the point where it's like I just want a game. I want to look at it. I want to see this I want to see this offense. I want to see this defense against an opposing team. Um I want to see them play against somebody that's not their own teammates. Um, I just want to see them play. I want to see a guy like to see him play. I want to see a guy like Deontay Williams hit someone cuz he's been like just talking about it for so many so okay, that quote was the greatest thing that I have ever ever been given. I asked him if Frost talked, if he was one of the guys that Frost talked to and said, hey, you need to cool it and stop hitting people so hard. And he said, yes, he was. And then he said, that hurt my feelings. And I was like, oh, my God, you were like one of my favorite players now. I know. He, 
I don't know. I think the thing, my biggest takeaway through fall camp so far, and this is not to build into the hype train and all of that stuff, because this team is not going to be a 12 and 0 team. Like, sorry, they're not going to get to the end of the season, and they have not. This is not UCF year two. These are different scenarios. I think this team, though, is going to be vastly improved, and I think, I think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had this season. I think there's going to be a lot of things to get excited about. I think fans are going to really enjoy watching this team, and it's. It's something where I'm confident they're going to go to a bowl game. There's an outside shot. They get to Indianapolis. I'm not going to put all my chips in that basket just yet. I kind of want to see them again against an opposing team. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot on the table, and there's a lot to believe that this is building towards something good. Um, what that looks like, we have yet to determine. But I think what you're consistently hearing from the players and the coaches is a consistent message. You're starting to hear the same things. You're starting to hear them speak the same act the same they they're all on one common goal for one another and I think I think that's something we haven't necessarily seen in some time is we've we've seen guys who are motivated but maybe motivated for themselves or motivated for various reasons it feels like this team kind of has an understanding of what they're all in this for and so I don't know again I'm not trying to build the hype train up but having now been having now watched a Nebraska team from a media perspective since the, so I realized that this year I've experienced two years of Bo Pelini, three years of Mike Riley, and now into the second year with Scott Frost. And in those in those seven years, going into the seven year seven years, this is the most cohesive I have heard players talking. That's not to say that players weren't great before, because there's a lot of great players on teams that are in the NFL and doing awesome things. But this just feels like. Frost has really been hitting a message home. He's been really pushing that, and you're starting to hear that resonating through all of these guys. So you imagine when it comes to game day and they're on the sideline and the going gets tough, they're going to revert back to a lot of these things that are being said to them, that are being taught to them now. Because what was the quote this week? Um, It was Noah Vedral. You got to practice like you're going to play. And that's their big thing. Practice how you're going to play. And I can't tell you how many players have said some said variation a version of that. Of that Practice quote. Practice how you are going to play. spring ball. And it's like, that was, I remember writing that story last year. It was the Oregon Connection story that I wrote where it was like so much of what they did was practice. Mm-hmm. Like practice sets you up for, we, can, we didn't hear a ton of players talking about that in season last year. And it's just like every single time there's an availability, somebody says it. I so was a high school call high school college. I was a high school cheerleading coach, and that was the biggest thing. And like, I'm not in any way comparing myself to Scott Frost by at, at all. But that was the biggest thing as a coach that you'd always teach. You'd always try to teach your players is how you practice is how you perform. The things, the little details. If you don't like, and so this is my world as a cheer coach. But if you're not pointing your toe in practice, you've got a flex foot because you're not taking the time. You're being lazy. Whatever. You are going to do that in a live environment. Like when you are out there either performing, competing, whatever the case is, your foot is going to be flexed. You can't tell me that like your brain is just going to teach you in that moment what to do. You have to be practicing what you're going to do. So it's those little details. It's where do my hands need to be? Where do my feet need to be? For the quarterbacks, how is – what is like – we hear – Verdusco go over like the whole mechanics like are you practicing those mechanics in a mirror at home out of practice because those things are going to show up on game day so it's the little things and like we're hearing that and I that's that's really what I mean is not to say that any team before this one didn't like each other or didn't 
have similar goals or anything. It's just you're starting to hear similar messaging over and over and over, which means they're all on the same page. At least a majority of them are. And if you're not, unfortunately, we know what happens is they want you to get the heck out. Yeah, you get almost run out of town, basically. Um, I'm I'm really excited to get to the depth chart portion of fall camp because that means we are um, starting install of South Alabama game plan. We're getting close to being able to talk about opponents, and we're getting close to football. I'm excited for that to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, My biggest takeaway so far is just that this season is going to be fun. Which is kind of my. And you mentioned that, and and when I say fun, I say fun for like us. Like if if you're wholeheartedly invested in the the success of the football team and wanting to see wins week in and week out, it might not be. You might not categorize it as fun because there's probably going to be some games that are like uh, negatively impacting the condition of your heart. But I think it will be fun. The first two years of covering this team, the games have not been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Last year, it started exciting, and then it just turned into a grind, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just it was kind of hard to watch. Uh, it got it got exciting towards the end, but it wasn't like I think this is just going to be fun. I think this is going to be really good football. I think it's going to be fun football. I think it's going to be exciting offensive football. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So we'll be back next week with another podcast. We will have coverage on HailVarsity.com all throughout Ooh, the week. I have one last thing to say. If you are you somebody, always interrupt me at this I'm sorry, part. this is important. You should just close these things. No, it's we fine. If you are somebody who doesn't subscribe to Hale Varsity, whether that's the magazine or online, we've actually just simplified how you can subscribe to get all of it. So you will get uh, 10 issues of the magazine every year. We've added an issue to our our lineup. Um, so you'll get 10 issues. Then as a bonus, the yearbook, so the 2020 yearbook would be included in that, and all of the online content for $2.99 a month, which if you need a good thread why you should do it, Derek As has it. As I noted it. yesterday, you could get a, a 14-pack of Slim Jims. Yes, but two ninety nine a month, or you could get Hail Varsity for two ninety nine. Right, is a great deal because, like we said, you're not only you're not only getting all of the web content, which I think is like a really good start, but you're also getting our magazine. So um, that was all I wanted to say is. If you are not a subscriber, no, you gotta close out. No, I'm not. No, you gotta close out. No, no. Goodbye from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're gonna have to figure out what a alternate would be, or what the inverse of welcome to. I know. If you have ideas, tweet at us. Just kidding. Yeah, seriously. No, not just kidding. Seriously, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Readhillvarsity.com, the greatest website in the world. Every day, we'll have coverage every day. Bye, guys.